Praise the Lord. Amen. Today we're going to speak on the subject of wells. We're talking about wells that give, that you draw water from. Amen. Praise God. Wells. There's living wells and there's stagnation in wells. I pray we are the living wells. Amen. Praise God. And the reference I want to read from is Numbers chapter 21 verse 16. As we take the journey, the journey through the word of God. Numbers 21 verse 16. Praise God. Let's, let's do some religious exercise. Let's stand together. Amen. Just to get us in the mood for the word. From there they went to Beer, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Gather the people together and I will give them water. Verse 17. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well. All of you sing to it. Verse 18. The well, the leaders sank, dug by the nations, nobles, by the lawgiver, and their staves, and from the wilderness they went to Matana. Verse 19, from Matana they went to Nahaliel, from Nahaliel to Bamoth, verse 20, and from Bamoth in the valley that is in the country of Moab, to the top of Pisgang, which looks down on the wasteland, and verse 21, then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, let me pass through the, your land, we would not turn aside into fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from wells. And we will go by the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. Verse 23, then Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel in the wilderness. And he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. Verse 24, then Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword. And took possession of his land from the, from, from the Arnon to the Jabbok, as far as the people of Ammon, for the border of the people of Ammon was fortified. Thank God for his word. Please take your seats. A lot of names there to get around. It's interesting. We're seeing what's happening around the world today. Uh, there are battles, physical battles taking place but we know there's a bigger battle taking place for our soul which is a spiritual battle amen and we've got to be careful we've got to be sensitive we need to see has the lord leads us through the, this kingdom of this world and be careful of all the adversities and all the foes that come against us so praise the lord amen that he's with us so as we read through this narrative we're told that they were the israelites were on an exodus they had left egypt and they wanted on a journey going toward their destination, the promised land. And we are on an exodus ourselves and we're traveling through this world. And God should be our guide. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Praise the Lord. And when you look at, there are mention, there's a mention of a well here. And you know, when the well is, wells are mentioned in uh, scripture, they are very significant. And the Bible makes the distinction between a well and a spring of living water. So we have wells, stagnation, but then we have wells of living water, springs of living water. And there's a mystery always connected to when, the, when a well is mentioned in the word of God, there's a mystery connected to it. Because first of all, to dig the well, prepare it, that you'll be able to draw water to quench one's first effort is involved. It doesn't just happen. You don't just end up finding, well, unless it's raining and, you, and you're saturated by the water, you need to prepare to dig a well. It takes effort. Yes. 
Amen. And the Old Testament is characterized by the effort people were making to present the well of the living water of God to us. The patriarchs were digging wells in order to bring the reality of the word of God into our lives. Praise God. And in fact, when, uh, the Samaritan, when Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman, where did he find her? Where did he meet her at the well of her life? And she went to draw water from the well and Jesus was there already before her to speak to her to meet her at a particular place. And we find this, this narrow dialogue between the Samaritan woman and Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 11, what the woman actually said to Jesus when he said, um, give me water, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water, but he asked her for a drink. And then she's questioning him. He said, well, if you knew the gift of God, you would have asked him who speaks to you, and he would have given you living water. And then she responded by saying in verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? And so what she's saying, to get water, it needs effort. You don't have the right utensils, you don't have the right things to draw the water from the well. How are you going to get this well? Because it takes effort. You don't have the bucket, you don't have the, well, everything that's needed to draw this water. It's quite difficult and, and the well is deep and the word of God is deep and we do need the right tools to draw that water out of the Old Testament of the word of God because there's shadows in the Old Testament we need clarity and Jesus said well look, I'll give you the water not from the well I'll give you living water that you'll, you'll never thirst again you won't need to be drawn from there because the water needs to be transferred from there into you and it's uh, it's there on tap. You don't have to continually make the effort. You just through prayer, you receive this living water. And when we read through the Bible, we see that all the patriarchs dug wells. And we find Abraham had wells, Isaac dug wells, and Jacob had a well. This is Jacob's well. And so it shows there's something important about wells, that we need to draw water from the wells of our lives. Amen. Praise God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 26, verse 15, this is what I tell the world does to the wells of Abraham, or well of Abraham. It says, Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells of his father's servants, which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. So the, 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 word, the world wants to fill the wells of our lives with earth. And we're told that Isaac comes along and he takes out the earth from the wells of, Ab of his father Abraham, what the Philistines had filled, that his father Abraham's servants had dug. And in chapter Matthew, uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse 18, this is what we read as we read on. And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. And we're finding what's happening. You see, this is a, a narrative. We're talking about historical events, but they're more closer to home than we can imagine and we can think. Because the, the wells of Abraham represent the word of God. And he named, he named them in a particular way that we can identify how God revealed himself to us by particular names. Yeah? And what happened, the Philistines had come and filled these wells with earth, and they changed the names of the wells that Abraham had dug. And we see truth is parallel. Because today, 
the wells that Abraham dug or the word of God that's been revealed to us by the apostles, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and epistles, the Philistines of the world, of the religion of the world, have filled them with earthly interpretation and we've lost the spiritual meaning and teaching of the word of God. And they're calling them by different names. And there comes along an Isaac, which is the prophetic apostolic word of God that takes out the earth that the Philistines of this world to change the, the name of God or who God is. Are we taking it back out and revealing God as he is, not as the world wants to reveal God? So the Philistines try to confuse the things of God. Carnality tries to confuse the things of God, what we're seeing taking place around our lives today. And by filling it with earthly interpretation, with no spiritual substance to it, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. They're foolishness to him. So why would you let an unspiritual person teach you about spiritual things? But we, let, we, we think, the world thinks it's seemingly happening, but it's not. Because God is still teaching his people. God is still leading his people. God is still in authority. Praise God. And that's happening to scripture today. We're seeing putting earthly interpretation to the word of God. And we're restoring back the things that God has revealed to us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because the, the law is spiritual. Romans chapter 7 verse 14 we're told, For we know that the law is spiritual. And, but carnality tries to take over spirituality. And we need to go back to our spiritual identity with God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So wells actually play a very big significant role in the things of God. And we must not overlook that. We neglect that. And what God wants to do, make us living wells. That the water will flow through us. In fact, in the Gospel of John chapter 7 verse 37, this is what Jesus says. He wants each one of us to be a well, that the living water will flow in us and through us out into the world. In the same way, in the paradise of God, there was a, a, a river was flowing out the, the, the Garden of Eden and he broke off to four, river, four rivers. And we, we need to be represented, our, we need to represent the paradise of God begins within us. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you should be with me in paradise. We must be representative of the paradise of God in this world. And out of us must flow those four riverheads, which is the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And it says, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Okay, so we come to him. He's the source of that water. You cannot have that water unless you come to him and feel, and he fill you. That's what he said to the Samaritan woman. You would have known the gift of God, you would ask him. And he would have given you the water that you'll never thirst again. Living water. Okay. And verse 38, this is what Jesus says. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Not a river. Rivers out of his belly, actually. Gileas, after Rissusin. Idados, zondos, zondos, living water. Out of his belly will flow living waters. So what's the parallel? He's using imagery that was in the Garden of Eden. So Christ God dwells in the paradise, in his paradise. So if, if your heart becomes uh, the, 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 the house of God, the abode of God, you become the paradise in this world. 
because it's today you should be with me in paradise. And what flowed out of the paradise was the four rivers, and the four rivers that flow out of us is the message of the gospel as translated, revealed through the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to quench the thirst of the world, praise God. Hallelujah. It's powerful narratives here. Amen. And so in that we can have that revelation in God. Hallelujah. God reveals that revelation to each one of us as we take our journey through his word. So be that person. Let, let that water flow through you. But who do you come to? You come to me, he said. He who believes in me. Faith must proceed before we come to him. Yeah, we need to believe in him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hallelujah. And when we have that power, we have that anointing of, that, of the Holy Spirit within our lives, things begin to change. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So coming back to Numbers chapter 21, verse 16, we're told this. From there they went to Beer, which is, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them, I will give them water. And that's a repeated theme within the word of God that he wants to continually let his water flow because the water implies life. And Jesus came to give life and that in more abundance. Without water, there's no life. There's barrenness, dryness. There's a drought. And there's been a drought for too long in the world. And now time for the word of God to flow out into the world, to pour out into the world and bring revival. As the river flowed from, from the foundation of the temple flows out, and wherever the, that river flows, life grows, is, 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 is brought about in abundance. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we need that water to flow in abundance. Said, then Israel sang this song, Spring up a well, a well, all of you sing to it. And we need to praise the Lord, give glory to God. Yes. Amen. We need to direct our prayers and our worship to God. Hallelujah. So we need to draw. So when the water's re relocated, taken from one place to another, the water's in you. And you can quench someone's spiritual thirst by virtue of the fact that you've got the water of God flowing in you, through you, and out of you into people's lives. The refreshing word of God. Amen. That people's lives can be impacted, can be transformed, especially at a time such as this. Hallelujah. Praise God. The question is, do we want that water to flow through us? Because when the water flows through us, it has the power to cleanse, to transform, and to bring a change. And we need that change of God to take place in our lives. Hallelujah. We're on a journey in the same way as the Israelites were going from the, through the wilderness to come to their promised land. We're continually on a journey. Hallelujah. We're in motion all the time. We're not static. We're moving onwards and upwards, praise God. Hallelujah. And so as they pass through the kingdoms of the world, they impacted the kingdoms. The kingdoms did not impact them. They impacted the kingdoms. What does it mean to define? What does it mean to be a Christ bearer? What's the tributes of a godly man or a godly woman? What are their tributes? What are the values? What are the teachings of Jesus Christ that define a person what we are? Because there's a criteria. And we need to know what that criteria is to know whether we measure up to it, whether we align to it, or whether we're disqualified. I wish I'm speaking to someone. So there's a criteria that replies we are the children of God. But we, before we can confess that, we need to know what that is. What is that criteria all about really? 
and it is the characteristics of Christ in us revealed to the world. Amen. Without him, we can do nothing. If you think you, we think we can do things without God, it's impossible. Without him, he says, we can do nothing. Amen. And we, how much we try to achieve things, without him being central in our lives, we cannot achieve nothing at all. So the Amorite king is the king that we are contending with every day of our lives. What they, what they said, to what the message they gave to Sihon, the Amorite king, was this. Look, let us pass through your territory. We're not going to take off your vines. We're not going to drink water from your wells. But we're just going to pass through. We're not going to look to the right. We're not going to look to the left. We're just going to pass through. And we're not going to even make, we're not going to cause any problems. You're not going to even notice that we're passing through. We're going to go quietly through the midst of you to get to the other side because we have to pass through. But what the enemy wants to do was put an obstacle between them and getting to their destination. And the devil wants to put an obstacle between you and getting to your destination. I wish I'm speaking to someone. You're saying, I'm not going to touch anything that belongs to you. I'm not going to drink from your contaminated water. Because the water I have, the source of my water is from heaven, not from hell, not from the earth. And I want to pass through. I'm not going to even interfere, tamper with what you're doing. I'm not going to be involved. in. I'm not going to take of your food, of your delicacies, because they're going to contaminate me. Because my food, I'm eating angel's bread. I'm not going to touch anything that doesn't belong to me. I'm passing through. I'm not going to be Adam who's going to take something that didn't belong to him. I'm going to pass through. I'm not going to touch anything of yours. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's the attitude of the people of God. We're passing through, but we're not taking off the vines of the things of the world. We're not going to let them contaminate us. We're not going to be influenced. We're not going to be uh, uh, overpowered by them. We're going to move through onwards and outwards. Praise the Lord. We're not going to drink the, 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 from the wells of this, the, of this world. We've got living water. And the wells that we're drawing from are the wells from within each one of us. Hallelujah, praise God. But this, the king of the Amorites wouldn't have it. Sihon wanted to come against them. And the devil wants to cause problems and trouble you all the time. The devil is a troublemaker. He wants to create problems all the time. If there's no problem, he'll create the problem. And another problem, a problem. There's no end to the problems with the kingdom of darkness. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Praise God. And he wants to put a block on your journey to get to your destiny, to, to fulfill your, the promises of God in your life. He wants to block your passage. He wants to put the obstacles in front of you around you he wants to hedge you in that you cannot move forward to the right to the left or whatever any direction you feel God is calling you he wants to stop your move your progress he wants to stop your maturity and he wants to distract you all the time so what is that he rounds all his people together his army together all his force together to come against the people of Israel hallelujah praise God the word Sihon means to wipe out he wants to wipe out the people of God. And he represents satanic powers. And that's why Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, he says this. Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we need the whole armour of God when we're coming against the sihon of our lives, the powers and principalities of darkness. We need the full armour of God. Hallelujah, praise God. 
and everything that's represented in the power of God. And as the, the warfare is enraging, coming, taking momentum against Israel, Israel, Israel will prevail by virtue of the sword. Because the sword is a, meta, is, is a metaphor, is a symbol representing the word of God. If you want to come against, overcome the powers of the Sihon, whatever's represented in Sihon in your life, whatever is coming to wipe you out, to clear you out, to destroy you, is the sword of the Word of God, as identified in Ephesians chapter 6, which is the Word of God that destroys the powers of the enemy. The Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do not neglect the Word of God. As I said last week, I was actually doing a Chinese Zoom on, on Tuesday night with Rui, we had the Chinese meeting. I know you've got your Zooms, but I was doing a Chinese Zoom. In fact, we baptised a, a Chinese gentleman, 87 years old, yesterday morning in China. So it's wonderful. Can you imagine someone coming to 87 years old? Uh, Simeon, he, he, he waited all his life to see the Messiah. Just imagine waiting 87 years and then all of a sudden Christ enters your life in a place that's so far away. And Jesus Christ meets you at 87 years old of your life. In the same way, the man, 38 years, he was, he was he paralyzed. And Jesus came out. Can you imagine the miracle that took place for him to encounter Jesus through the wave, wave, airwaves to come into the household of God? Something that was impossible, that was never thought of, never heard of. Something that could not, never be imagined. And coming in, in, in a different continent, in a different part of the world. And Christ meets him there at 87 years old. Hallelujah. And we take Christ for granted. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's a power. It's powerful. Hallelujah. So whatever the Sikhon comes to block you, know that you have more than you need to overcome the enemy. The devil is a liar. He's been defeated. Hallelujah. He has been defeated. And if you have Christ in you, he has nothing in you. In John chapter 14, verse 30, we're told Jesus says this, I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world, the Amorite kingdom is a representation of this world that we are passing through. He says, I will, I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Hallelujah. He's got no rights over Jesus because Jesus is without sin. The wage of sin is death. He has no power over Jesus because Jesus is sinless. He's pure. And if, that's, if Christ who is pure is in you and the devil has nothing in him, when you confess Christ and you repent, you are transformed. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. Everything old has passed away and everything has become new. And what I was saying to our Chinese Zoom, to our group on Tuesday, I said, there's three things you need to be involved in, in your spiritual journey, to overcome and to mature. You need to be in your word. You need to read your Bible. You need to be empowered. You need to have that, that dialogue with God. You need to read from his word. Okay? You need to pray, too. And you need to worship. In fact, when you read the word of God and you pray and you worship, you are a powerful force to be reckoned with. The tripartite relationship with God. And then once you read your Bible, then you pray. Then later on you pray, then you read your Bible. You get that when you get home. So you introduce the word of God. People read and start coming connection. Then, then to understand it fully, you need to pray to understand the word of God. And then you worship. 
Because when you read the word of God and you pray and then you read the word of God, you cannot but worship and praise God and say, thank you, Lord, on this day that I'm still alive, that I'm walking, that I've overcome, that you've saved me. You take me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. There's a story that my daughter shared with me yesterday about a man sitting on a fence. He's sitting on the fence and he's looking on one side. On his right side, he can see the kingdom of heaven. On his left side, he sees the kingdom of hell. And he's sitting on the fence. And then he's watching for watching and just procrastinating and just watching. And then one day he looks to the right, the kingdom of God is gone. He looks to the left and the kingdom of, of, of hell, of the kingdom of Satan is gone. And he's just sitting on his fence. And all of a sudden, the devil pops and says, sorry. He goes, I've come back, I've, I've forgot something. He goes, what you forgot? He says, you. He says, what do you mean me? He said to him, well, you belong to me. He goes, no, I'm sitting on the fence. He goes, yeah, the fence belongs to me. So we have to make decisions in our lives. Because if you know decision, is a decision. The ship of the, of the church is flowing. We, we need to... Make a decision. Do we enter or do we stay just observing? If we're observing, we're on the other side. Hallelujah. So Sihon the king wants to destroy Israel. And all the kingdoms from the time they left Egypt to get into the promised land, every power would come against them. Can you believe that? The Amalek, Amalekites came against them. Amalek came against them. Moab came against them. Everyone tried every, every which way. Some tried with weapons, conventional weapons. Others tried with the power of the word. Everything tried, every mechanism they had, they tried against it, but with no, no avail. No outcome. Israel still, the only casualties, or the only casualty on the East Bank in relation to Israel was the old man. I wish I'm speaking to someone. Was the old man. The only casualty was the old man. All the old generation, the first generation that left Egypt, men of war, had died on the east side. Because you have to cross over as the new person, as the new creation. The old ways will not suffice, will not do. Hallelujah. To enter the kingdom of God. Caleb and, 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 and Joshua, the only ones who crossed over, merited to cross over because they believed God's report. They believed the word of God. Faith becomes a vehicle to get you to your destination. There's power when you believe. When some believe, they're powerful. There's empowerment in faith, in belief. All things are possible unto them who believe. Hallelujah, praise God. One thing they were acknowledged though was the fact that they were, they were passing through. They were, they were, they were, they were, they were on, on a journey. They were strangers in the kingdom of the Ammonites. There were strangers in the kingdom Moab. They were passing through, but they took the spoils. The victory gave them the spoils. It was empowerment. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So they said, we're only gonna go through the king's highway. And our king's highway is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of lords and king of kings. And when we're passing through from this from A to B in this world, to get to the destination, we travel through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the way that gets us to where we need to be. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I pray we're open in our spirits, in our hearts. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So whatever the enemy plans against us, we will overcome. There might be a storm, but we are sure 
to get through that, to overcome. Hallelujah, praise Him. God has given us authority. The problem is we don't acknowledge that authority and we don't execute that authority because we're too distracted. The devil wants to distract, the world wants to distract us. We entangle us with things that are petty, insignificant, menial, and we lose the bigger picture. We cannot see the bigger plan of God, what God has planned for us. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, this is what the Lord tells the disciples. This is what they tell. Behold, he says, I give you authority. Hallelujah. He gives us authority. You have authority in prayer. That's why read your word of God, pray and worship. The more you grow, faith comes by hearing, hearing that of the word of God. The more you receive from the word of God, listen to the word of God, read the word of God, meditate on the word of God, reflect on the word of God, you will become empowered and you overcome. And that authority will become a reality to you. And he says, I will give, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents. So the serpent who tried to deceive Eve... Now she's got the authority to trample him underfoot. Can you imagine? When the enemy comes, take this. Did God say you become, you, if you take of it, you, you, you surely, he says, no. He says, look, you'll become like him. Her response is stepping on his head. But really she was caught up in the deception. And I'll give you authority to trample on serpents. So any power that comes to deceive you, you've got power to step on it. That becomes your stepping stone to get you further ahead. And scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing should by any means hurt you. We need to embrace the word of God, live by the word of God, and that's empowerment. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We need, we need to embrace that. And we need, that sword, we need the sword of the Spirit to be a reality in our lives, but unless we're reading the word of God... And knowing how to give an answer in due season, we'll be caught out. We'll be caught in our own ignorance. When the devil tempted Jesus at the time when he was in the wilderness, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus' response countered it with the word of God. And there's an answer to every question or every challenge. The answer is in the word of God. But we need to know the word to be able to give that response. If you don't know it, you, what you put in, you can bring out. And if, you, if, you're, if, you, if, you're, if you're diligent and you're studying to show yourself approved, rightly knowing how to divide the word of truth, God, even if you're not, that word is not accessible immediately, God at that time will give you the word what to speak that you haven't even planned. It's when they tell you before rulers, chief priests and, and all the powers of the world, don't plan what to say. But the Spirit of my Father who's in you at that moment will give you the word, what to, how to respond, what to say in the power of the Spirit. But you need for that to be a reality, you need him to be in you in the first place. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Hallelujah, praise God. And so we're told in Numbers 21 verse 21, it says this, 20, sorry, verse 24. Then Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword. And took possession of his land from the Arnon to, to the Jabbok, as far as the people of Ammon, for the border of the people of Ammon was fortified. So you see, that yet there's other powers around that we've got to be careful of. Your victory is not the be one end all. It's just a process. It's just a, a, an event in time. There's other things that are taking place that you need to be pre pre prepared for. Don't just sit back and say, I've had this victory, I've overcome this difficulty or this challenge. Be prepared. 
because the enemy will go reform and come in a different guise. He will, his metamorphosis will come in many different guises to deceive us. That even he will come as an angel of light. He'll come as a friend. The devil comes as an angel of light. He'll come as a friend. But we need, we, we need the word of God not only to defeat the enemy, but to defeat ourselves. To, to uh, see what we are really all about. It's not just about what's happening outside. It needs to take control of our lives as well. To align ourselves with the things of God. You know, See, the word of God travels, moves around. We move around in the world. But our purpose is to, through the love of God, have an impact to make the world a better place. To change people to reflect what God is. Not for us to change to look how the world is, but for the world to look how God is. Yeah? And we need to make that distinct, make that difference. When Jesus was ministering, the, the surroundings didn't change who he was. His surroundings changed to what he was. And if they, didn't, if they didn't agree, they moved away. But he didn't change who he was in himself. What happens today, we change the suit to please our surroundings. And sometimes we miss the whole point of what it's really all about. Amen. Praise the Lord. So your weapons are not carnal, but mighty in bringing down strongholds. Then Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword. You, we have the word of God. And I pray I want to encourage you to keep being your word, especially at this season, at these times, because the enemy comes very in a subtle way, very in, in a, not an obvious way. And he dilutes the word of God that's in us. And we've got to be very, very careful. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, just coming back to the sword of the Spirit, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Why does the Apostle Paul talk about putting on Christ in this way? Because he wants to protect, protect every aspect of our being. He says, put the, the, the breastplate of righteousness. He wants righteousness to be the order of the day. If you want everything added to you, you need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added to you. The shield of faith to deflect all the fiery darts of the enemy. Protect faith is empowering, strengthens us, builds us up. Amen. We need to gird our loins with truth to protect ourselves from deception. We need the helmet of salvation. Our minds have to be protected from the influences around us. We've got to be very, very careful what we listen to, what we see, what we accept. And we need to put it toward the light of the word of God. And not let the world define what God is, but let God himself reveal who he is in his word. He's more than able to do that. He created the world and the universe and everything around us. He's more, innate, he's more qualified to speak about himself than some lecturer in a university. Come on, I wish I'm speaking to someone. Amen. He's more than able to do that. Psalm 45 verse 3 says this. Four verse, Psalm 45 verse 12. Sorry, verse 3. Gird your sword upon your thigh, almighty one, with your glory and your majesty. Meaning that the word of God must be continually with us, around us. Yeah? You need to have that word of God around us. I know we have our, we have our telephones, our mobile phones, now we have all these things. There's so much, you have so much 
that the Bible is so accessible now on all these platforms. So you need to just look rather than Google, rather than um, uh, tweet and all the rest of it. Sometimes spend a bit of time, reflection time, put it on pilot because you are flying. When you're reading your word of God, you are flying. So you need to put it on pilot because you're flying in the spirit. Be flying in the spirit. Praise the God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Fasten your seatbelts. And when there's turbulence, just let the word of God, put the whole armor of God and it will safeguard you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 36 says this. A sword is against the soothsayers and there will be fools. A sword is against her mighty men and they will be dismayed. A sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And Exodus chapter 17 verse 13 says this. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And you know the story of Amalek, where they were in the wilderness and Amalek was coming against them. And God told Joshua, God told Moses to call the tribes of Israel, the mighty men. And he gave them, he gave them an instruction to go out against Amalek. And Joshua was leading the way forward, praise God. And it's through the power of the sword. But he didn't do it on his own. Because the cross empowers the word, fulfills that word. And it's Moses on the mountain that stretches his hands like the cross. That actually facilitates the victory through Joshua. Praise, Because it's the cross that breaks the strongholds. The power of the cross. And oftentimes people, too many now people neglect the message of the cross. It's everything else but the cross. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but the power of God unto them who are being saved. And we need to be reminded of the power of the cross. We need to see the symbol of the cross, what's represented in that. It's not superstition. It's the meaning, the message of the cross that the devil doesn't like. It's not just showing him a cross, a wooden cross or a gold cross or some, some type of jewellery. It's what the message, what it says, what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary that makes that difference, that brings that transformation into our lives and into the world, praise God, hallelujah. I want to just, let's, let's go to Psalm number one, because I want to come back to the word of God. And I want to encourage you as prepare for, for the weekend. I know we have the diploma course, well, the, the Bible course tomorrow. Just prepare you to be receptive to that. If we want blessings, it's clear, there's the, the fact that it's qualified, but blessed is the man, means that there's the opposite, the counter to being blessed. And what's the opposite to being blessed? Can someone tell me? Curse. The Lord presents to us blessing and a curse. And he says, you choose. He doesn't make the choice for you. He says, we choose. Do you want bitter? Do you want sweet? You choose. You want poison or you want medicine? You choose. Yeah? And, and we make that choice that this is the love of God. This is the free will of God. No one's chained, no one's forced to follow God or to believe. That's why the world has decided, more than not, to turn away from God. It's a godless world, but really this, this nation is not representative of, of faith in God. Because there's more people believe in God or a form of God than they don't believe in God. So the propaganda that you see on your newsreels, that there's what this nation is saying, is not representative of what God, what faith is really all about, unfortunately, for, for this nation. So, so, we have a, we, so we're told there's a blessing. So we have that choice. You could be blessed or you can be the opposite. 
So you want to be blessed, what do we do? We take the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. I just want to come before I come to this, before we finish. It says, now it should come to pass if you, let's read it together. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Watch this, verse 2. And all these, all these what? All these blessings should come upon you and overtake you because you? Let me go back to Psalm number one now. We want to overcome Sihon with the sword. The sword is the word of God. And this is what's embodied in the word of God. So take the word of God, obey his word, and you will have the same outcome as Israel have. You will have the same with whatever Sihon represents in your life, whatever Pharaoh represents in your life, whatever Amalek represents in your life. You will have the same outcome if you take God at his word. You drive, we drive our cars. Now it would be, be nonsensical to think if you're, if you, if you, you know, if you don't turn the key or, or, or you take the battery out of your car, your car's going to work. You know, there's certain things that you have to put in place for, for things to function. You know, and, and the word of God is the same thing. If you take something out, it won't work. Yeah, you take your battery out, you have much you want to drive your car, it's not going anywhere unless you've got your friends pushing you. Yeah, just non-event. And so you've got your handbrake on, you're putting your, pushing your accelerator, unless it's automatically released, you're still going to stay in the same place. You're going to burn your wheels, but you're not going to move. And the Bible's saying these things. You can see the parallel. God tells you certain details. If you neglect those details, why are you expecting that outcome? If you have a torch, you take the battery out, you turn, you turn the switch on, it's not, going to, it's not going to light up. Why? You haven't got the battery in it. And we do that with the word of God. We take things out. We expect the outcome that we want, but we don't put the process in place in the first place. And Deuteronomy says very clearly, if you diligently obey the things of God, take God at his word, then all these blessings will follow you, will overtake you. And so we're told here in Psalm number one, this is in relation to meditating on the word of God. He says, blessed. Is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the corn. Your surroundings, your influences determine the blessing. If you neglect this and you're running around uh, entangling with all sorts of things and ungodly things, don't expect a godly outcome. And verse 2 says this, but he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. The law is the Torah. It's the Old Testament, if you like. Then you have the Psalms, you have the, the, the prophets. and so. But it's in relation to God's, the inspired word of God that he revealed for his prophets, that recorded it for our benefit. This is not someone just making it up. And if you want to learn more about this, join the diploma course because they look at the, the formation of the scriptures, how all these different men and women in the Old Testament and, and, and time gone by, how separated by, by time, by geography, they, they, gave, they've received, they didn't have the computer age that they can reference each other. Yeah? They didn't have all that. They, they, they got inspired them. When they put it together, it gave one message. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Different parts of the puzzle. When it all came together, it gave one message, the message of God's love in the world, God's salvation. 
Yeah? So it's not an afterthought, it's not an accident, accidentally put together. They didn't copy each other. But when you got it all together, it made, gave one message, gave one picture. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And this is what we want to meditate in the word of God in a healthy way. What did I say? Reading or praying, reading, worship. Empowerment. The fuel to help you lift you, rise up above adversity. Rise up about the, the, the deception and distraction of the world. Rise up about it. What the world wants to do is preoccupy you with menial things that you're preoccupied. You can't step out of it and see what God can do. Praise God. And verse 3. He should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Again, we find the water here. That brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also should not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And we keep talking about um, prospering. We want to prosper, we want to be blessed, but there's different ways you can prosper, materially or spiritually. This is about spiritual prosperity. And everything follows. Everything's the byproduct of prospering spiritually. Do not neglect, I want to encourage you, we've just come through our period of fasting, we're coming through the period of fasting now, we've set aside, and now there's been big breakthroughs, hallelujah, praise God. You know, things are happening, and we, we rejoice in what God is doing. Carry on with the attitude of prayer and fasting, in your time as well, once even the, the time passes, of our, our setting our time aside, we're coming to the period, the Passover period, our Passover we have our play, the, the, the narrative, the passion. And many people are coming to witness this. And it's going to impact their lives. And they're not going to be the same again. Believe me, they'll be transformed. They'll be the seed sold. And we sow and other waters. But God will provide that increase. And you are a part of that process. So invite your friends, invite your families. If we believe we have the true message of, of hope and salvation to the world, invite people in to come in and receive that. And they will leave here transformed, renewed and transformed and empowered with everything that God is doing in the world today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me go to the next verse very quickly. We're going to finish on this psalm. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Verse 5. Therefore the ungodly should not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly should perish. Let's, let's pray that we will have a godly disposition and really seek the Lord with all our hearts, mind and soul, and love our neighbours as ourselves. Let's stand together.